0: Welcome into the, the Clap Trap. Trap. Brought to you by Ultrasound Productions. Now also playing on 90.7 WKKL.
1: Ducks have it back. Carlson. McTavish wins it. The Bruins were up 2 with 2 minutes
2: to go. And Anaheim has a team builder rallying for three straight goals and winning it.
0: Well, that one certainly hurt, but it is what it is. Welcome into another episode of the Clap Trap. We had the Bruins finally taking a loss on the season. They're now 6-0 and 1 on the year. They tied the best franchise start in team history with six straight wins and I don't. I mean, I don't think anyone was expecting that, so it was great to watch. But you know, now we're now we're seeing a team that uh, is going to be fun this year, and I'm excited to watch them. But uh, I, I don't know. I I I don't have any huge expectations. But welcome into the show. Uh, we're gonna start off with the Bruins, as you can tell, and then we're gonna move on. We got some Celtics topics to get into as they started their season, and then we also have obviously the Patriots and the NFL. Uh, games that are happening, as well as the gambling picks to finish off the show. But that game last night against the Ducks, fun game to watch. Had some good goals in it, obviously, on both sides. And uh, like I said, it was the first loss of the season for the Bruins, which uh, I, I don't think any real Bruins fan was expecting them to be this good to start off the season. So. You know, it's it's. I'm, I'm happy where we're at. I'm happy where we're at. I think we have to be as happy as we can be going into this year with a team that just lost so much in the off season. But you get into the game, and that first goal for the Ducks was some insane puck luck, if you ask me, bouncing off Lindholm's skate at the perfect angle to go in. Uh, but uh, you know, that's that's just how it goes. Sometimes we talk about puck luck all the time when we talk about. The Bruins and hockey in general, that's just how it goes. It'll bounce off a skate, and all of a sudden you're down one nothing. So that happens. Bruins did try to challenge for goalie interference, but they didn't get it on that one, which kind of brings up a side note for me. Uh, going back to that Blackhawks game that they played just recently, the second Blackhawks game they've played this year, when they tried to challenge or they did successfully challenge for that offsides and got it to take away the goal from Connor Bedard, that first goal of the game. That has got to be easily, I don't know if I'm alone on this one, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I'm not, but that has got to be easily the most hated rule implemented into the NHL ever. It, 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 by me, specifically, but I think it, most people probably agree that it, it is not I don't know. It just doesn't make it fun. It doesn't make it good for the game that you're going to go back and, you know, calling back a goal because of a bang, bang offsides call that missed 45 seconds to a minute prior. That should never be allowed. That should never be allowed in this sport. And I've ranted about this before many times. I hate the way that they are changing it to more and more replay in games. I'm already that old man yelling at the clouds. I get that, but everybody sees what's happening, right? The more replay that we put into these games, the more they they slow it down to a millisecond and just see how close they can get to the absolute perfect call, the further we get away from the, the sport just being a, a, a game that we all love to watch. And yeah, sure, you're going to hate on some of the referees' calls. We always get that. You're always going to have moments where you clearly thought that the referee made the bad decision. But to me, doing something like this, and again, this was for Chicago. But I, I know that it'll end up happening to the Bruins in this season as well. And I'm going to absolutely hate it then. So you got to be consistent with these kind of things. It happened for the other team this time. I still don't think that should have been the case. You you shouldn't be able to go back and correct a mistake or a missed call from the refs that is over forty-five seconds away from when the actual goal happened. You're gonna take that away. Like I I, I don't know. That one infuriates me. I, I can't I know that the snowball is already rolling down the hill. We can't stop it now. It's just gonna continue to gain momentum, but man. I hate it when that kind of stuff happens. I think replay is, the more replay they do in all sports is bad, but specifically in hockey, this is easily my most hated rule, maybe ever implemented into any sport, to be honest with you, because it's it's so frustrating to see that. And then if, if you're thinking about the play that I'm talking about here, and you think about how much they slowed it down to that bang, bang, second I don't even think it was an offsides. I, I honestly don't. The way that the skate was still on the blue line, or or the puck was still on the blue line, I should say, and the skate wasn't over yet. I, whatever. It it, it is what it is. I'll always complain when it happens. I think it's ridiculous. It's never going to be changed. Or I mean, hopefully it is, but it's never going to be changed. So whatever. Anyways, that was a big side note rant. But the Bruins also got some puck luck right back. I mean, you, you got some bad luck against you going off Lindholm's skate. Then it goes right back the other way when you had Pasternak uh, whiffing on a one-timer that ended up going in perfectly off of Charlie Coyle, who had an easy tap-in in front of the net. I know that Andy Brickley was trying to say on the uh, on the broadcast there, he was trying his hardest to give Pasternak the benefit of the doubt. <clears throat> oh, He was trying to give Pasternak the benefit of the doubt on that one, uh, saying that it was a slap pass, but clearly, very clearly, it was a misfire by Pasternak, so... I, I That that one, you get puck luck one way, then it comes back the other way. You're happy to see that. You move on in the game, Grizzly finds a five-hole after Patra. Man, this this Matthew Patra kid, I know that we're all happy about that so far, but I think he is quickly becoming the fan favorite uh, to see what he's going to be able to do through this season because this kid has been fun to watch so far, but he's moving all over the ice during that power play. He gets two defenders on him, and then he's able, able to get – Grizzly, the puck who's, who's fires one and finds the the five hole, very happy about that one. So, <clears throat> good start for the game, good start for the team, uh, and, and able to get right back in it and get that that two or that one goal advantage at that point. Now. We got to take a quick break here to start off the show, and then we'll continue talking about this, but uh, I'm, I'm all riled up about the Bruins already, so I got to take a break, and then when we come back, we'll continue talking to Bru- about the Bruins here on 90.7 WKKL.
1: The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp.
0: All right, we're back with more of the Claptrap. We were just talking about the Bruins before we took the break and how everything was going with Patra, Maddie Patra, First of all, I, I got to say, that's that kid's got a good name for hockey. Potts, Patra, whatever. He's going to have some good nicknames as long as he keeps progressing. But he had that good play on the grizzly goal on the power play. He's I'm talking he is just puck handling well. Holding defenders off, getting multiple defenders to come to him so that other players can get open. This Patrick kid is going to be fun to watch. I'm just saying. Now you move on further into the game. Bruins are up two to one. The Beecher post shot on that penalty kill. I got it, it brought back memories of just how good offensively this team was last year and how good supposedly they're going to be this year based off of what's going on because the Beecher post-shot, even though the kid missed on that one, that's a tough one, but on that penalty kill, it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful, and I know it's just the Ducks. I, I get it, and they're not going to necessarily be one of the best teams in the league, but this Bruins team still looks like they're a high-tier offense even after the losses that they had from last year. So very happy, very happy about the state of the Bruins' offense so far, and I mean the defense hasn't been bad either. Now I think that the the offense and and Don Sweeney they should be looking into bolstering that offense a little bit more. Now I don't I, I don't want them to, you know, sit down these kids that we have the Patras of the world and and some of the other guys that might get a chance, but. If we get to the, the trade deadline or something like that and we're able to bolster this team with a little bit more offense, yeah, I think that's going to be the case. That's the early uh, want, I would say, for Bruins fans going into this season. But that, that you, you know, Beecher, whatever, you beat yourself up about that one. Great passing overall. Bing, bang, boom. Three guys passing well. Got the open net. You hit the post. It happens. It happens. But, you moved on in that one. Pasternak's goal was a hard-earned one. After that, following his own shot, finding his own rebound, potting that one. Potting that one. No, I got to save potting that one for Patra. Pasta just plated himself that one after following his shot. That was a good job there. And the game continues. The game continues. And can I just say that I think that Charlie Coyle. He's great at everything but finishing. I know that he had a goal earlier in the game, but come on. We all know that that was a gimme. Coyle can battle for the puck on both ends and hold defenders off. He's able to do whatever he wants kind of on, on both sides, it seems, at, at certain times during the game, but he just can't finish for goals. You have multiple opportunities, a lot that I see for Coyle. He's just not a finisher. He's not a finisher. I like him for everything else he's able to do. But I think Charlie Coyle, he's just hes just not a finisher, which is okay. You just be the setup guy. That's fine. But I wish he had a little more finish in him. The tying goal in this game, though, the 3-3 tying goal with 15 seconds left was such a punch in the gut. Such a punch in the gut for this squad. I, I mean, you're battling, and you're trying to hold them off. You give up two goals in the third period to let them tie it up, especially right at the end of the game, empty netter. Man, it's just a, a punch in the gut, and, and you hate to see it. But then you go into overtime, and as good as I think that omar has been, he just got beat straight up in that overtime winner. I mean, you have the guy straight in front of you, skating down right in front of your face, and you just got beat. So, uh, you know, what are you going to do? I think that Omar has been playing good this year once again, and I'm happy to see that. I want to continue to think that he is going to be a legitimate goaltender, but he just got beat on this one. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, so you can't be that upset. But this team is going to be fun to watch this year. They got some young talent progressing through the season. uh, But, I mean, I don't think that there's any way, really, you can convince me that this won't be just another good regular season team that gets bounced early in the playoffs. That's just how I feel. I know. Don't get too mad at me. That's just how I'm feeling about this squad. And how can I feel any other way after watching the history of this squad and how they're able to time and time again show up in the regular season, look like they have something legit, and then they just find a way to get bounced in the playoffs. The playoffs is a whole other beast. I get it, especially in the NHL. I know it's very hard, but – Ugh, man it's 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 tough when you see a squad every single year competing really good in the regular season. Yeah, they beat up on teams that are lesser than them, but they also hold their own against the bigger teams, the batter teams, the rougher teams and then they get into the playoffs and they just don't have enough. So I I mean, I'm going to be watching this team, having fun with this team all season like I said The young talent that's going to be progressing, the next step, the next evolution of this Bruins franchise, what we're going to get going forward, I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see it, but I don't know. It's going to be really hard for you to convince me until we get into the playoffs and they're actually showing it that, you know, this team can do anything there. So obviously way far off. We're at the very beginning of the season. We've played seven games so far. So Zach, why are you even talking about playoffs? But I I don't know. It it feels like when you start off 6-0 and a very close chance of going 7-0 to start off the season, you start thinking about what's the end of the season going to look like. If you're going to be this good at the beginning of the season, what's the end of the season going to look like? So I'm happy with where the team is at right now. I think that that it's going to be good for them, but I, I, I think that... This off or this trade deadline is going to be the make-or-break p- decision on whether or not do we move Omar, uh, do we move on from Omar? Do we move on from Swayman? You gotta probably trade one of them, right? We gotta make room, and we can't just be as much as we all love the goalie hugs at the end of the game and how great it is to be able to put one goalie in one night and then another in the other night, and they're both just as good. It seems as each other. You gotta move on. You gotta move on from one of these guys so that you can go and get more talent, specifically on the offensive side, I think. You gotta get more talent and, and bolster this team. You just have to. So it's 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 going to be time. We're gonna see some great goaltending up until the trade deadline. But I think that everyone, not well, not just myself, but a lot of people are gonna be, you know, asking and, and hoping and praying that this team moves on from one of these goaltenders so that we can get a little bit more help on the other side of things whether you know whether you go on the offensive side or not I I still think you need to move on from him uh one of them I am saying oh, Mark, even though I like the guy give Swayman in the keys let it be his team and let's move forward because once you get in the playoffs only one of them going to play anyways only one of them is going to play anyways All right, time for break number two, but then when we come back, we're going to switch things up, talk about the Celtics. They were able to win their first game of the season, so we'll get into breaking down that and what I feel about that team after this on 90.7 WKKL. The
1: Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp.
0: Another clutch free throw.
1: That makes it a three-point game. Knicks still have one timeout remaining. Both teams are in the penalty. Knicks led by six with a little over three minutes remaining. Since then, it's been all Boston. A former Nick, with clutch free throws and a huge three-pointer.
0: little shaky there for a second, but a good start for the Celtics team. Now that has a new look to them. Got Kristaps Porzingis. He got Drew Holiday. Later, Marcus Smart. We're moving on. And it was a a good first start, I would say. You you falter a little bit there, and you gave up the lead. As you heard, you were down at uh, points late in the game by as much as six, I believe. And then you battled back, and you were able to get the win wish you didn't have to do that, wish you were able to just kind of mow through this team, this Knicks team, and and be able to uh, you know handle your business, but that's alright, you were able to do it, you got through all, everything, and Porzingis dealt with all of the FU Porzingis chants and seemed like he was enjoying it, which was good, having a smile on his face. He is going to be hap- uh, fun to watch and happy to be on a team that is actually battling for you know, good reasons, and instead of being on the, the Washington uh, a Washington squad that has nothing to do with the playoffs or Knicks teams that weren't doing any good, moving around the league, finding different teams, not being able to do anything, landing here is going to be good for Przingis, as long as he can stay healthy. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I It was a great game. 30 points for him. He's doing everything that you want him to be able to do. He's perfect for that Joe Missoula style of basketball where everyone needs to be able to shoot a three. You space the floor, you're able to kind of move that ball around, find it in the hands of a seven foot three guy who is consistently hitting good three point shots, and he hits good uh, free throws as well. Plus, in this one, he was just showing how dominant he can be when he's engaged on the defensive side of the ball with all those blocks, I believe he had four in the first half. Uh, so that was a, a great performance by him on both sides of the ball. Very happy with that. You had Tatum also putting in 34 points. Uh, Brown didn't really show up for as far as the shooting, the ball was concerned. He was, he was showing up in the stat categories all elsewhere on the board. So good on him for being able to contribute even when your shots not going down, but I don't know. Uh, how are we feeling about this Celtics team, everybody? Uh, are we feeling good? Are we feeling confident? They are the finals favorites, it is championship or bust. But when you look at this squad, what who are you most excited about this year? Who Who is it? Because I don't think that you're most excited about Tatum this year because you know he's going to do what he's going to do. Jalen Brown, yeah, he had somewhat of a, a downer game to start off the year, but you know he's going to get his, and especially with his $304 million Supermax contract, you know that he's going to be doing everything that he can to have those stats represent that for him. So I'm not worried about him, and I'm not necessarily excited to see any huge changes from him. I think he is going to be who he's going to be, and I want to see him dribbling the ball a little bit better with his left hand, sure. But the guy that I'm really excited to see... It's not even Christoph Porzingis, it's Drew Holiday. I was so happy watching this guy play, doing all the things, the little things that Marcus Smart did, the big things defensively, getting blocks, getting up in people's faces, great perimeter defense, all that kind of stuff, but I love his shot way more than I ever liked Marcus Smart's shot. I feel much more confident in him. I also just feel confident that Drew Holiday understands how to be in a role on a team, to understand what your part of the team is going to be. I think he gets that already way more than Marcus Smart ever did. Sure, when Marcus would, you know, find those moments, he he had moments where he would sit into his role and be, seemingly happy with it and the team would look absolutely great but then you would have other games or he would go rogue and he would think i'm a top three scorer on this team i need to have the ball i'm one of the biggest voices in the locker room if not the biggest voice i'm the heart and soul of the team and i'm so glad that that's gone i don't know uh, you know how much of a a leader Drew Holiday is going to be in the locker room. I don't know if we're going to miss anything from that. I'm suspecting we won't. I'm hoping that removing that voice from the locker room, I talked about this many times before, but removing that voice of Marcus Smart from the locker room allows somebody like Jason Tatum or, uh, you know, Uh, Jalen Brown to step up and be that more vocal leader for them I don't think that Tatum will be that guy but Jalen certainly can and you know that Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart butted heads that obviously caused some problems in the locker room so I'm the most happy to see Drew Holiday fit into his role know what he needs to do and go out there and accomplish it because this this Celtics team is going to look really good when everyone is playing their roles Now, I hope that Kristoff Porzingis can stay healthy. That is obviously going to be a major part of this team going forward. But just having... A uh, Drew Holiday added to Tatum and Brown. Those three right there I think are going to make you extremely good going forward. Regardless of Porzingis' health, whenever he's out there and contributing, that's going to be a huge added bonus to this team. And we probably need it to get over the top and get that championship. He needs to be a part of it. But I love the addition of Drew Holiday to this squad. I think he's going to be perfect. I think he fits a role. He, He knows what he should be, what his role should be on the team, and he's going to do it. So I'm very happy about that. And now I'm thinking that maybe you just need to go out there and find some depth at the big man spot just in case of a possible injury to Porzingis. But it is, it, Hey, it's nice to be able to have a guy that's able to go out there and eat up some minutes so that you don't have to have Al Horford out there during the regular season. Save as much of whatever Al Horford has left for the postseason if you can. I'll be happy about it. I know most Celtics fans will be too. So I'm, ha- I'm happy where the team is at. I don't see how you couldn't be uh, going into this year. They're, they're finals favorites. They looked really good in game one, at least coming back from that, you know, getting a deficit. They started to flounder, but then they they were able to make the comeback and get that win. Happy about that. Happy about the direction of the team. And I'm happy most about Drew Holiday. That's, that's where I'm at. So that's your Celtics talk for today. We're going to take another break. And then when we come back from the break, we'll start talking about the Patriots and the NFL in general. So keep it here on 90.7 WKKL for more of the Claptrap after this. The Claptrap
1: with your host, Zach Clapp.
3: Second and goal. Jones swings it. Touchdown. Garcia! Patriots go in front. Patriots have two players deep. Allen. Two seconds, one second, this is it now for Buffalo. Allen trying to run, loses the ball, scooped up, it's over! The Patriots get it done! Mac Jones leads the comeback, and Bill Belichick, with his 300th regular season win, joining Don Shula and George Halas as the only other two on that historic
0: list. What a win for the Patriots against the Bills, winning 29-25. to Who would have thought that they were even going to be in this one, let alone win this one? Very happy with the way that the team was after being so down on this squad. Obviously, the weeks before that, going into this one, it couldn't have been much worse as a Patriots fan, uh, you know, trying to ride for your team and and just seeing how horrible of of an effort week after week they were putting out there. You could tell that this team was just down. And I in no way think now that this team is going to all of a sudden bounce back and be a good football team. I think it's going to be a major struggle to get wins. Continuing throughout the rest of the season, including specifically this week, going down and playing the Dolphins. I mean... This team is what an eight and a half, nine and a half point underdog in this one. Uh, The 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 Dolphins are going to be able to probably roll over this Patriots team once again. I will not be surprised about that whatsoever. But I guess it gives you a little bit of hope for when we go on past that. It gets a little bit easier on the schedule for this Patriots squad. You obviously are playing the Commanders and Colts at home before going to visit the Giants. So that's three straight teams that you should hopefully be able to. Uh, you know, do something against, I guess that Colts game, actually, that's, that's actually one of the ones our our overseas games. So who knows what that's going to bring, but I I don't know. I don't have faith in this team to do anything against the dolphins, but it was a great win and, and it was well-deserved, I think, for them to celebrate and, and be excited. Um, Bill Belichick getting his 300th win as a coach, that's great. Another notch in his belt, regardless of how you feel about him. The man's got all the accolades, all the stats that he he needs to be considered the greatest coach of all time, and I still think he is the greatest coach of all time. We could talk about the GM stuff. I, I don't think he's good as a GM, but, you know, it is what it is. This team is now 2-5 and five on the year, as I said, going up against another divisional opponent. Somehow we have the best divisional record I don't understand that. Still, we're two and one in the division, while the rest of the teams are one and one or worse uh, in the division. In what is considered a stacked division, AFC East. So surprised about that one. Ha- happy to see it, uh, but again, I don't think that this is going to necessarily mean that they're going to, uh, you know, change the season run. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I am wrong on that one. Uh, I mean, it looked good. The offensive line was creating good uh, lanes for the team to be able to run the ball. Pretty solid overall as a team. They rushed for 96 yards on 24 attempts. That's pretty dang good, if you ask me. Four yards per carry. They also had that touchdown by Zeke Elliott. So I was happy with the production by the overall off. I mean, the overall run game. I mean, I guess you got a huge chunk play out of Douglas, Demario Douglas. Which, uh, by the way. He is such a big find for this offense. The, the the Pop Douglas, DeMario Douglas, he is so huge for this team. And now I'm extremely upset at this point that I'm not going to be able to see an offense that can put out Marcus Jones and DeMario Douglas. This year, it's just not going to happen because Marcus Jones has now been ruled out for the remainder of the season. Upsetting news there. This team, you know, been decimated by injuries left and right. Not that they were necessarily going to be a good team, even if everyone was healthy. But still, you have to admit, there's been a lot of injuries on this team this year. And Marcus Jones would have been a fun watch to have if you could put a, a... Crazy schemed-up offense where you had both to Mario Douglas and Marcus Jones moving around, making the defenses wonder where they're going to be. They're so dang fast that that, I mean... And it may just be because the rest of the team is so slow. But I do honestly believe that Douglas is a legitimate speed threat in the NFL compared to other speed threats. And I think Marcus Jones can be that as well. So they would be our only two fast guys in a very slow offense, a very slow overall team, I would say. So it's it's upsetting that we won't be able to get him back. But I'm, I'm happy with his production, their use of Douglas now – he obviously wasn't benched on this one. He was able to do some things. He broke off, like I said, a 20-yard run, which was the longest run of the season so far for this team. He also had four catches for 54 yards. I thought they did a good job of utilizing him early in the game. So then by later on, when when the defense was really keying in on where is Pop Douglas, where is he, where is he, then you get other matchups that are opened up. You get Kendrick Bourne getting the ball more consistently. You get a bunch of dump-down options to remind Andre Stevenson he had that gigantic play at the end of the game on that final drive which by the way that is a huge that we could have been having a completely different conversation about how this team is one in six right now if it wasn't for that Stevenson dump off screenplay for what 30 yards 40 yards or something at the end of the game which by the way they also threw a flag which they picked up surprisingly enough to me because it seems like at the end of games this year, multiple times the Patriots have been screwed over from bad calls. This time they actually got a call go in their favor, a picked up call of a man downfield where I thought, I I don't remember who it was, it might have been Andrews. Somebody was downfield on that play, so... I don't know. I was surprised that they actually picked that up, but they were able to complete the comeback at the end of the game after going down and allowing the Bills to score. You you, uh, you know, obviously that fumble was a huge turnover late in the game for the Patriots that you did not need or, or you really were hoping wouldn't happen. Uh, that was upsetting. And then you move on. You're able to actually make a play and, and, and win this game. I was surprised. I was surprised. I think a lot of people were surprised. Uh, about this team. And, and so it is what it is now, but they, they were celebrating hard at the end. And and it brings up something that I really want to talk about because we had our old friend, Rob Gron Kelsey come in and commenting on how the team was celebrating after. And these comments, I don't know how you guys felt about them. But I want to get into that. So we're going to take a quick break right now. But when we come back from the break, I'm going to play Gronk's comments. And then we're going to go over it here on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host,
1: Zach Clapp. But if you ask me, that celebration was pretty
2: ridiculous, Chung. Whenever we celebrated just a little bit, we would get hounded. They just won one game, and they celebrated, like, more than we would when we won a Super Bowl. That was, like, one of the most absurd celebrations. Like, I'm like, wow, they they won a game. They, they went that crazy. Like, they're acting like they never been there before, Chung. So what do you think about their They're griddling, griddling or grittying all over the place, like, to an absurd
3: level. John, what do you think about it? I mean, times are different, girl. You know that. I mean, younger kids, and at the same time, bro, it's division win, very much needed. You know, so that's a big booster for the team. So whatever they got to do, celebrate all you want to. Just win some more games will be good. But we did get hounded, though. I used to try to pump the crowd up when I was younger. And Bill would say, stop worrying about pumping up the crowd and cover the tight end. And I'm like, oh, oh <laughs> damn. <laughs> like, all right, Coach, my bad. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but different time Let the kids have fun. You know, if it's going to boost their morale and, you know, get them going, you know, in the in the right direction, then, you know, I'm all for it.
0: All right, those are the comments made by Gronk after the Patriots win. He obviously had uh, Pat Chung on there, too, giving his thoughts on everything. And I do want to preface everything that I'm about to say by admitting that I am kind of a Gronk hater, to be honest. I soured on him towards the end of his career with the Patriots, certainly the way things ended with him. I don't want to bring it all back up again. I will some other time, I'm sure. But that's just, as we're going into this, remember that as we go along. I know there's a lot of people out there that absolutely love Gronk for what he was able to do, but these comments here. Now, Pat Chung really kind of said it best, Uh, and when Gronk was going through his comments, one of the things that he said was "They they have to act like they've been there or they haven't acted like they've been there. Gronk, obviously they haven't been there. This team has been nowhere near what you used to be on the Patriots. When Gronk was on the Patriots, that was a constant every single year. We'll see in the AFC Championship game where at this point in the year, they would have been five and one going into that game instead of one and five. This is a completely different Patriots experience. So you need to understand it that way. And I really think that at the end of the day, what Gronk was kind of doing here was he was just being the jealous older brother? Really, he's the guy who already went through the system. He was the the older brother who you know was kind of worked on harder by his parents because they expected more out of him because he was already doing great things. Right when he came into the league, he was already dominating, and the team was dominating, and he was expected to do more and more to get to that next level. So his parents were expecting more out of him. So yes, when you're five and one going into that game, Gronk instead of one and five and you go up against this Bills team at 5 and 1 and you beat them, sure, act like you've been there. You're now 6 and 1. You're able to go, you know, keep going through this season as a dominant football team and you should act like it. So not as much celebrating is warranted. But when you're a 1 in 5 team going up against a divisional opponent that has beat you four straight years or four straight games I should say, in, including beating you like a drum in the playoffs, Yes, you're gonna celebrate. This was a big win for this team. So I just I, I mean I get it. Gronk's not the smartest guy in the world, but the fact that he can't get grasp at concept that this is a different team, this is a different year, a different style for this Patriots franchise right now we're going to celebrate some of these lesser wins to you which yes again this was just their second win on the season they're now two and five so when you do a comeback win in the fashion that they did with a quarterback that is getting dumped on constantly with a team that is getting dumped on constantly by the fans all they've listened to for the past multiple weeks is how bad they are how terrible they are how much they should sell at the trade deadline get rid of bill belichick Get rid of Mac Jones, all of that stuff. Of course, they're going to celebrate big at the end of a game like this. So Gronk, I I mean, he's either that dumb that he can't understand that concept that this is just a different day and age for the Patriots, or he's once again just trying to take shots at Bill Belichick because he's still so upset with how he was treated at the end of his career with the Patriots. Wham, wham, wham. I don't care, Gronk, that you were, you know, your coach was mean to all my boss was mean to me and I didn't like it. I didn't want to come and play football anymore because it was too mean. It was too hard and I couldn't even celebrate. Where? You were out there winning Super Bowls. You were in the AFC Championship every year. Yes. Act like you've been there at that point, Gronk. So I just think that he's taking it out. He's trying to take any little pot shots that he can at Belichick whenever he can. I think Patrick Chung said it perfectly. It's a new age. Of course, they used to get you know, crapped on by Bill Belichick and everybody when they were celebrating in, in moments that had no meaning, had no meaning to them. But this was a big meaning for this specific team. And again, I said this the last segment, I don't think this is going to be some big turnaround moment where they go on a huge run and all of a sudden they're a playoff team again or something like that. They're just celebrating a win, a big win in this moment after going through multiple weeks of hell. Talking about how this was the worst Fran- or the worst Patriots team pl- people have ever seen, that kind of stuff. So I don't know. It, it to me, and it, I'm actually kind of stealing this analogy from my wife, who made a great uh, call on this one. It just seems like Gronk is the older brother that when he was running through everything, more was expected of him because he was good and he was. B- creating great things in front of him so how is your parents going to motivate you to be better than that keep getting on you about little things act like you've been there get you know that kind of stuff happens when you're already that good but when you got your dweeby little brother who's barely able to get uh you know a, barely able to do anything in his life it's like gronk was a straight a student and when he got a b his parents were telling him yeah you should be striving for more a's because that's what you get normally and then you got your dwee- little brother who's barely getting D's he's failing most of his classes and finally he gets an A on his test and he wants to celebrate it so the the family brings him out for ice cream and then Gronk the older brother is like I never got ice cream for my my good grades that's because we expected more from you I'm sorry it's not fair Gronk but that's just how the world works and that's how this situation works so Gronk again I, I preface this all by saying I am a little bit or a lot of bit of a Gronk hater, but just read the room, man. Read the situation. Look at the team. Look at what they've been dealing with for the past couple of weeks, and then you'll understand why they were celebrating so much. All right, that's all I got on the Patriots for now. Let's get into the end of the show. We're going to take a break real quick, and then we're going to get into our gambling picks for the gambling competition here on 90.7 WKKL.
1: The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. Now it's time to win you some money with a couple minutes of gambling talk.
0: All right, now it's time for everyone's favorite gambling competition. We are into week eight of the competition at this point. It has been a battle of guys that really, I don't know. Do we even know what we're doing? You got Doherty leading the competition right now 19, 15, and 1. Cams 19 and 16. Dwyer 18, 17. I've moved up the ranks to 16, 18, and 1. Matt's 16 and 19. And Mendez also 16 and 19. So under 500, barely over 500. That's basically where we're at right now. Doherty was the only one who couldn't give me a voicemail. This week. So, Patriots underscore Andrew. I'm going to give you his picks. He started off with Vikings as a pick 'em over the Packers. He's got the Vikings in that divisional matchup. He's then going with Rams plus six and a half over the Cowboys on the road. That's an interesting pick, I think. But He's also going with Saints minus one at the Colts, so all the road teams so far. He's wrapping up with Texans, Panthers over 43.5, and and Browns plus 3.5 on the road at the Seahawks. So those are... Patriots underscore Andrews picks. We'll see how he's doing after this week. He is leading the competition, like I said, so we'll see what he gets into. But next, we will give you second place. That is Cam. Hey, y'all. Let's get to Cam. Hey, y'all. It's Cam here with the picks for the week. Uh, first, we got uh, Minnesota Green Bay. Uh,
3: I'll take Green Bay uh, at a pick. Uh, I just think Obama's been kind of a lot of um, and they're at home, so I feel like the home team usually wins in these series. Uh, next is Rams-Dallas over Um
4: The Rams' offense is like, good. So far, they just struggled in the red zone. Um, and Dallas uh, usually is good in these spots off the bay. Um And I think there could also be some turnovers because Dallas is offensive
3: line. Dallas' defensive line can get home against the Rams offensive line. Uh next is Indy, uh plus one against New Orleans. I think the Saints are terrible. And Indy's at home. Uh, so I'll take them. Next is Carolina Houston over forty three and a half. Uh Carolina's defense is terrible. And Stroud have what up uh defenses so far, so I think he's thinking four thirty. And Carolina shown improvement on so I think they can get at least 14. Last is Cleveland, plus three and a half against Seattle. Uh, the total's really low on this and I think both teams are going to run the ball a lot to get to take the underdog with the points in that situation. To recap, we got Packers pick, Rams Cowboys over forty-seven and a half,
0: Indy plus one. Carolina Houston over 43 and a half. Cleveland plus three and a half. Okay, you heard the picks there for Cam. Great job by him so far getting back on track. Like I said, he's 19 and 16 on the year, so doing well. Let's go to the next guy in the standings. That's Dwyer. What's Ryan thinking on this one? Hey, this is Ryan.
2: Uh, Let's see what we got here Minnesota Green Bay. Darty didn't even include the over-under. Or, uh, spread, rather. PK, I don't know what that means. Uh, I'm gonna go
1: over 42, though. Or
2: Los Angeles Rams, Dallas. Um, I'm having trouble deciphering Darty's, uh, Lines here I think Dallas is minus six and a half I'm gonna go with the Rams on that uh, Indianapolis New Orleans minus one I'm gonna go Indy on that um, New Orleans the mountainsaha cars start panties and a bunch. Uh, he's just got to fall off the cliff, it seems like. Carolina, Houston, minus three. I'm going to go uh, Carolina, Cleveland, Seattle, minus three and a half. I'm going to go Cleveland on that. I think Watson's going to come back with a vengeance. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with him, but he'll be back. All right
0: later a little bit of a struggle there for ryan not knowing what a pick him is that just means there's no spread ryan and then he didn't really like doherty's picks that's all right he was able to get out his selections uh so that's that's good enough for me he's on the board there let's get to next we'll go with matt's picks here we go all
3: right buddy week eight picks um big turnaround around this week uh i'm looking at him right now so First game, Minnesota Green Bay, I hate. I feel like there's just, uh, I love the Vikings, but I'm very, this' a tricky game. Uh, I'm going to go under 42 on this one. I think it's just division battle. We're going to duke it out. Uh, next one, Rams and Dallas. I'm going Dallas minus six. I think, you know, the Rams never really need a consistent running back. They always shuffle the deck, but you know, I think Dallas is going to come into this game and uh, they're going to handle business. So uh, next one, In, I like. Indy plus one, I think, and I'm buying I'm into Minshew Mania. Uh, I think they're going to do it, so I'm going with the Colts in this game. Carolina-Houston, I'm going over 43-and-a-half. I love when bad teams do get out, and I think you usually you don't get low scoring. You get a bunch of you know sloppy sloppy scoring, sloppy play, so I'm going over 43-and-a-half. And the last one, I'm taking Cleveland plus three-and-a-half on the road. I think the 12th man doesn't mean anything in this one. I think Cleveland's going to do it. They've been playing well even without... Uh, Deshaun Watson, though. So I'm going with him. Recap. Under 42 for the Vikings Packers. Minus 6.5 for Dallas. Indy plus 1 over New Orleans. Over 43.5 Carolina Houston. And plus 3.5 Browns. 5-0, and oh, baby.
0: You heard it here first. He's going 5-0 and oh this week. You better be following along with Matt if he's Actually, going to do what he said he did. We'll see how that goes, though. He's been having a rough time. But now it's time for Mendez's picks. Last but certainly not least, let's see what he's got on the board.
4: Clappy, so week eight, had a winning week last week. Kind of turning it up. Everyone knows I'm a second half type of dude. First game, Minnesota, Green Bay. I'm taking Green Bay. Um, that loss last week, Minnesota coming off the big win against 49ers. I just feel like Green Bay's going to get up for the game. I'll take on the win. Next game, Rams in Dallas. I'm taking the under 45 and a half. I know both offenses are pretty good, but it's a pretty big NFC game. Um, Dallas hasn't quite looked right, so I'm going to take the under and that one. Next game, Indy at New Orleans. I'm taking New Orleans. I think New Orleans is still a pretty decent team. They've played everyone tough. Uh, Minshew going into New Orleans. I'll take New Orleans minus one. Fourth game, Carolina-Houston. I'm going to take the old before three-and-a-half. Houston has good offense. Carolina switching their play, offensive play caller, huh? but I think Bryce Shunk's going to be a little bit better after the so I'll take that over. Next game, cleveland at Seattle. Seattle three-and-a-half. might take Seattle with the points. Cleveland signed P.J.
0: Walker. Um, played good last week, but I'm just going to take Seattle cover, especially that one, privately He's a second-half type of dude, so you know his picks are going to be good. We'll see how this week turns out for him. Next, we'll do my picks, but first, we're going to take a break. Then when we come back after this on 90.7 WKKL, we'll get to my picks for the competition.
1: The Claptrap, with your host, Zach Clapp.
0: All right, we're wrapping up the show with the gambling picks. We just went through all the guys' picks in the last segment, and if you missed any of it, this will all be up as a podcast. Wherever podcasts are found, just search The Claptrap. If you missed any of the show and you want to listen along, it'll all be there. But now it's time to get into my picks here. Uh, We've been going pretty solid over the last couple of weeks, three and two in each of the last three weeks, building myself back up into the competition Uh, moving my way in there so we'll see how things go on this one let's get into it first game is going to be vikings at packers and in this one I'm taking the under 42 points on this game. The Packers have not scored more than than 20 points in a game since week two. Green Bay's offense just isn't consistent, in my opinion, and they'll be facing Brian Flores and the blitz-happy defense of the Vikings. So we'll see how they work out against them. It's a divisional game, and that tends to make it lower scoring, usually in our minds. So I'm expecting that to be the case here. And so I'm taking under 42 points in the Vikings' Packers game. Next game is Rams at Cowboys. I'm taking over 45 and a half points in this one. The Rams have allowed 23 or more points in four of their last six games. While the Cowboys are still trying to figure out themselves on offense, I still think they're going to be able to do well against this Rams defense. I'm expecting Dallas to score in the mid 20s, somewhere around there, and that should allow the overall game to hit the over 48 or 45 and a half. I'm not sleeping on the Uh, the Rams offense either I mean they got Cooper Cup back now Puka Nakua is legit they may have just lost Kyron Williams to the IR but their run game is always pretty good Uh, and and they're 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 a solid unit overall scoring about 22 and a half points per game at this point so my second pick is over 45 and a half in the Rams Cowboys game Next game is Saints at Colts. I'm taking Saints minus one in this one. It's been a weird year for the Saints. Uh, You know, they've been uh, up and down so far. Things just haven't clicked really on offense, but... They are still supremely talented, I would say, as a team overall, especially on that defensive side. I'm really confident in their defense. Uh, And after, you know, 10 days rest, I'm expecting them to bounce back on the road and get a victory over the Colts, who just lost their quarterback. And, yeah, it's Minshew mania, as Matt said in the last segment, but I don't believe in it. Uh, So I'm taking the Saints minus one in that game. Next game is Texans at Panthers. I'm taking over 43 and a half in this one. I think that the Texans are just the better team uh, overall, and uh, even though the Panthers are a home dog coming off the bye week, I think that the Texans uh, are going to be able to score well against them. I think that the Panthers will also be able to score a little bit against that Texans defense. They get a new offensive coordinator or a new guy uh, running the offense over there for the Panthers, so I'm expecting them to have a little bit of a push, but but I'm also expecting the Texans to really win. So I was very tempted to take Texans minus three, but I'm just going to take the over in this one, going over 43.5 in the Texans-Panthers game. And the last one I'm going with, or the last game that we're picking on, is Browns and Seahawks. I'm taking the Seahawks at home, minus 3.5 in this one. It's a tough matchup for P.J. Walker for the for the Cleveland side of things, uh, you know, coming in, trying to make up for Watson's absence. Uh, Se- Seahawks should be able to throw the ball down the field and score points against that Cleveland defense, even though Cleveland has been really good. I'm expecting the Seahawks to win and cover at home after the Browns coming off of an emotional road win last week also for the Browns. So I think that the Seahawks will be hungry on this one. Browns coming off of a huge win against those Colts, a big tough matchup, emotional road win, like I said. So I'm expecting big things from the Seahawks. I think they're going to be able to take care of business in this one. So give me Seahawks minus three and a half at uh, or against the Browns in this one. So, Great job by the guys getting their picks in and everything. Like I said, the competition is really tight right now. I'm loving how we're doing it this year with picking five specific specific games that we all have to pick on. Happy about that. Uh, So... Keep a lookout for the Twitter page at the Claptrap or at Zach Clap. I'm posting all the picks If you missed anything on those, and as I said before, it's all up as a podcast afterwards. Just search the Claptrap; you'll be able to find that. I appreciate everyone for tuning in, listening along here on 90.7 WKKL. We'll be back again next week to talk about everything. I'm excited to see what the Patriots are going to do this weekend against the Dolphins. Even though I don't know it's, if it's going to go that well, we got the. Bruins doing well, we got the Celtics continuing to move on, they got a game tomorrow night against the Miami Heat, a matchup, you know, that rivalry that's been over these last couple of years, we'll see how Miami looks this year after they weren't able to get Dame Lillard, Uh, I'm not sure how they're going to do, but a lot of stuff going to be able to talk about next week, we'll see how things go. I appreciate you guys, as I said, for tuning in. I hope everyone has a great weekend. I'll see you next week. Keep it right here on 90.7 WKKL for more of the Capes Classic Alternative after this.